up and into the pesky pole. And that's going to get down the line. That one looks like it'll stay fair. And goodbye, home run. The pesky pole. The 2-2. Bringing a five ball deep down the right field line. Slicing by the pesky pole. And that ball hits the pesky pole. Slicing toward the pesky pole into the corner, and that ball is gone! A green can. Now in a high fly down the right field line, headed toward the pesky pole. Is he going to tuck it inside? Indeed he does! That is gone! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Pesky Podcast. I am your host, The Rit. With me is my co-host, my man, DC, what's going on, man? It's been a while since we got to do a little little one-on-one time with us. I think it's been almost since the beginning when we started it, to be honest with you, if I'm thinking about it, other than uh, a couple interviews we did. I think Hunter Dob- Dobbins and uh, Devin Marrero was the last yeah. time I think we were kind of one-on-one. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And man, have you got a chance to sit there and skim through some of the early ones? I like, actually did a little bit the other the other day when we went up uh, to Boston. I um I was sitting in the hotel room and my dad was sleeping and threw my AirPods in and listened to a little bit. Man, we have come a long way, my man. You have come a long way. Like there are some of those in the in the beginning. I just can't listen to. Like I'm trying to skim through a little bit so I can try to pick out where we had the Red Sox placed and the record and everything you know to try to get all that to fruition and some of those are just some of those are, are left for the archives you know what i mean but here we yeah, are for a lot of different reasons season's almost over uh we're almost at episode 50 and here we are how okay how ironic it was our last podcast episode we did we played off season gm the following day, Heim Bloom gets fired, and we're looking for a new GM. How crazy is that, DC? That's nuts, too. You know, I'm saying how we should give him a, a two-year extension. I, I completely thought that he had two years left on his deal, but it was only next year was his last. But it's funny, we uh, or I said that we should, you know, keep him in here. And then the next day, I think the day that you released it, we got news. I had a couple of texts from you know, a couple of buddies. Josh, that you know, he's on for the Orioles. He um, he was very baffled. He was like, "What the hell are we doing? Or what the hell are you guys doing?" He's like, "Other than uh, a couple of trades, I thought he was doing pretty well." Um, so it was a little, you know, a little confusing, a little surprising. But um, that's kind of the mo of the front, you know, the the ownership group. But especially with you know the last one, Dabrowski was fired about the same time through the end of the season. So surprises me, but doesn't at the same time. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> I'm kind of I kind of hear 50-50 things going on about you know Heim. Uh, let let's go let's go through some of the recent stuff that that I've heard since and it's always crazy. Did you uh, hear some of the stuff about Heim Bloom had a chance to trade uh, Chris Sale, but didn't? Uh, I saw reports like, on that. I'm uh, how true it is. I'm not sure. Obviously, um, I mean. Hindsight 2020, hindsight 2020, you know, obviously how this year went, you probably should have pulled the trigger on that, but I don't know. I don't know what to believe. Yeah. Verdugo was supposed to get, uh, there was an offer to go to the Yankees for one of their uh, young pitchers. I think Clark Schmidt was uh, the guy that was involved. Like, okay, if these reporters have all this information why was why wasn't it released earlier? You know what I mean. All of a sudden, oh, now we're gonna let everything out. You know what I mean. Oh, yeah, it's funny we, timing. We could have went and traded for traded Verdugo. You know, like dude, why? Tell us then. You know, yeah. us. We are the Red Sox fan base. We are the ones buying tickets, buying the merchandise, to put John Henry's pockets lined up, and all of a sudden. Here we are, last month of the season, you know, two weeks left. And now all of a sudden, you know, I thought it was ridiculous how from the beginning of the season, what John Henry quoted at winter weekend or winter meetings to now, 
Now all of a sudden, oh, it's about championships. Wait, isn't that what it's always about? Like that should be what it's about all the time. Putting together a championship team that's sustainable. That's the key that, that, that hurt us this year. Our starting pitcher wasn't sustainable for 162. So what were your thoughts when you sit there and John Henry got, did that big little news conference and, oh, well, now it's time for us to win championships? I mean, to put it bluntly, I think he's full of shit. You know what I mean? I, I just – I'll touch on what you said about, you know, where was always reports when, you know, in the middle of the season with about the Verdugo trade or the Chris sale, um, there had to been a little bit of a leak there from somebody in the, the front office or ownership uh, group. Cause obviously Heim Bloom's very, uh, you know, he keeps everything close to him. He doesn't really leak a lot of stuff. He's kind of like Theo Epstein in that, uh, that regard. You never knew what was going on and then boom, something happens. Um, yeah. I mean, you're the Boston Red Sox. That should be the goal every year, no matter what. I think uh, they tied his hands a little bit. We were just talking, you know, before we jumped on here. I personally think that they wanted Dombrowski to trade in bets. And I don't, I think Dombrowski didn't want to do that for a lot of reasons. One, you know, how does he explain that in his next interviews? Cause he probably knew he was on the way out. And two, it's just obviously that's the big, the first big move Heim Bloom was, you know, that had to make, you know, as the Red Sox uh, baseball, you know, head of baseball. So, I mean, he had a tough time already coming in. They wanted him to reset the payroll. They wanted him to build the farm, which we have like the fifth best farm system in, the, in baseball right now. I think, you know, for what he had, he did he did pretty well. Obviously, he missed on a couple of things. I still question the Renfro JBJ uh, trade, but also there's been a lot of, you know, reports that came out that Renfro was a clubhouse can uh, cancer. So, you know, at the end of the day, was it really that bad of a trade? It could have, you know, helped a lot more than it hurt, but we'll never know because obviously he got traded. I don't know. I just, I feel like, you got to go for it every year when you're the Red Sox. And um, I don't know if they gave Bloom as much uh, ammunition and support to do that with everything that they asked as far as resetting the payroll. Um, obviously, Chris Sale's uh, um, contract extension really hindered that ability because that's a lot of money hung up for a guy that wasn't really on the field a lot. And that hurts to say because you know how much I love Chris Sale. Um, but yeah, I just still kind of confused. You know, obviously he's made, you know, decisions that weren't the best, but every GM does. I know he's not the GM, but um, every, you know, guy that calls the shots in the front office does, you know, don't get it perfect every time. Just very, very perplexed as how this all went down. But like I said, at the end of the day, I'm not surprised. They uh, they let Dombrowski go two weeks or two weeks left in the season around there. Um, so it kind of just fits the bill. I don't think he had a chance the whole time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're going to touch base a little bit with Himes, you know, some of his decisions he made, but let's sit there and talk real quick. The report from my man, Jeff Fletcher, that we, we brought on here when we covered the angels of Shohei Otani locker room cleared out. Like what the hell? Like it's good for us because the rumor mill of course, is all over the place. I've said and brought this up quite often that Shohei's connection to and the uh, the deal he has with New Balance could be a key to him coming to Boston. What was what's one of the biggest leaks out there right now? He's really really tight and close with the GM from. Uh, uh, New Balance. Also, he loves uh, talking to uh, Yoshida. So that's two key things. Yeah. Plus side. The minus side is: Do we? Everybody's like, do you want to pay for a bona fide DH? Do you see this guy play? You put him one one year DH. And they were like, oh, we need starting pitching. He gets the – we don't know if it's what type of surgery he's getting. Is it going to be the, the Trevor Story surgery? Is it going to be full-blown Tommy John surgery? We don't know. But the pitching will come. He will be back on that mound. But as of right now, the best player on the planet has the potential to come to the Boston Red Sox. 
And the biggest thing, all these naysayers, do you want to pay a DH? Dude, we paid David Ortiz. And, and, and don't get me wrong. We didn't pay David Ortiz, in my opinion, enough sometimes. And oh most God. of his, con- most of his contracts, him, most of his contracts, you remember, were a one-year, two-year, we're play him out, see how he feels. Okay, we're going to another one, you know what I mean? We got to deal with, with Ortiz. Just playing DH. So I think the Otani thing all depends. The start with us, if JT and what he does with his uh, his player option. So DC, I laid a lot out there for you. Let's. What are your thoughts on the Shohei uh, emptying his locker, possibility coming to Boston, and a JT uh, player option? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the emptying his locker. I think it was a little weird how they they came out and he uh, they put him on the IL and kind of made it seem like it was it was like an injury. A player like you know, a player when they get hurt, they don't just clean out their locker that quick. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, I don't I haven't spent any any time in a major league clubhouse, but um, I and when we were on uh, Anna's space, it was right after the trade deadline, and I even said I think they really dropped the ball and not trading him. They can't. I don't think he's going to go back there. Obviously, the running's on the wall. Then it is now even more. Um, you got to get pieces for him. I know they were trying to go for it, but they, you know, traded for Giolito, you know, kept Otani, which I think was a bad idea. Um, you got to make moves to, you know, get some capital for him because he's not coming back. As far as Justin Turner, obviously, I'd love to have him come back, but um, you never know. I think he will. I think he'll ultimately end up there, but I'm fine with keeping Yoshida in left field, you know, full time next year. If that means we have Otani in our lineup, he's the best player in the in baseball, you know, in a long, long time, if not the best ever. I mean, dare I say it, but uh, yeah. And as far as the surgeries, you know, it would be tough for him to get the second, you know, Tommy John in his career, but he is, he still, he hits 40 some home runs. He hits for average. He stole 20 bases this year. I mean, that's unheard of that power, the RBIs and the stolen bases. Um, and I think with the injuries too, I think uh, his contract will go down a lot more than what we thought it would be. Because you were seeing about six hundred million was what it was going to take to get him. Mm-hmm. I think you knock it down to around five hundred. If uh, John Henry's serious about spending and going for championships, then this would be the move to make. You have Yoshida there as his friend that could also help with Yamamoto coming over in free agency. So ultimately, I hope he does end up here. It's a big if, but uh, I think it would make a lot of Red Sox fans happy and kind of help them get over the whole Heim Bloom, you know, experiment that obviously failed and just the the PR of it all was terrible. Yeah, I don't think we're, we're going to get those big numbers uh, like we did before. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be a shorter contract now. You know, I, I think we're going to try three, four years maybe. You know, pay a decent amount. You know, I'm thinking three, four years, maybe, you know, close to 275, you know, 250, something like that. I, I can sit there and see maybe five years. Uh, I can sit there and see that, and then we can. Everybody sees Otani get back to his form, and then he he can get still. He's still young enough where he can get that back end contract, you know, that still big money makes. So you know, you think about that. Uh, man, just to think, like I when we went and did our our postseason fantasy GM thing. You know, I went Burns and Woodruff, you know, but we really didn't think Otani, like you, George, or myself, didn't really think Otani could have been in the equation. George is like, well, let's try to go, you know, get Trout, you know. Uh, it, it's crazy now that we're talking, and, of course, we're, we're always – it's going to be crazy all the way up until that ink is drying. You know, all the talk is going to be on where's Otani going, where's Otani going. So this is like pretty much our first podcast and we're probably going to be mentioning Otani for the, you know, at least once or twice for every podcast to be signs wherever he signs. Yeah. I'm going to get pretty sick of talking about it to be honest with you. Um, Cause you know, it's going to be a ride, but uh, I, unfortunately I don't think a four-year deal gets it done. Other teams are going to be offering him 10 year deals um, and he can't turn that down, especially with the injury history that he has. And you could see the Yankees throwing a lot of money at them, even though they don't have much money to spend. But they are the Yankees. You know, a guy like that doesn't come around very often, if at all. 
I mean, you got the Dodgers. They'll probably offer him a, a shit ton of money. Um, but I mean, I'd still give him 10 or 10 years, 500 mil, maybe a little bit more just to, you know, get him in Boston. Cause you got to think of the money that he's going to bring in as far as merchandise, you know, Jersey sales, you know, the Japanese fans that will come and see him that don't come to Boston. And, you know, now the money that he brings in for a franchise is going to be substantial. Oh man. Do you remember when he, ca- uh, the, we played the angels and the amount of fans just watching him get off the bus to go in the Fenway. Like, that was just that was just a, a three-game series. Man, how crazy yeah. is it going to be if he's there all the time? You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be crazy, man. I mean, I would love to have him. I just – I don't know if it's feasible, but if John Henry's serious, maybe he'll make a uh, – a decision that he need, he know he needs to make to kind of win back the fan base. I mean, they have a pretty bad reputation with their, you know, Red Sox nation. They've been uh, very wishy-washy the last few, few years. I know they wanted the reset payroll, but at the end of the day, you're the goddamn Boston Red Sox. So you got to spend it. You got to, you know, you also got to make, you know, make those trades in the, uh, in the, um, in the season, you know, make those mm-hmm. trades that make your team better, not even just signings. And that's something that I don't think Heim did, Bloom did. And I think if I had to pick out one thing, that he was not very good at was uh and i think i've read it even too he he can't work quick you know make those quick decisions especially that's huge around the deadline time you gotta you gotta come together pretty quickly and um he overvalued his players a lot i think undervalued the players he was going for and that really hinders your ability to get a trade done but um yeah i mean i would love to see otani that would be amazing i think it would it would help a lot depending on how the surgery goes if he can come back and be that pitcher he was but He's still able to hit you 40 home runs, driving over 100 runs. He hits for average. And, he, and that uh, underrated um, skill of stealing bases, you don't see that much kind of tied all together. Yeah, uh, you know, you touched base a little bit, what I was going to bring up, how crazy and ridiculous. Uh, there was articles written that GMs would look at their phone and see Heim Bloom calling, and they, and they would dread picking it up because just like you said, he overvalued his players, undervalued, you know, who he was trying to get. And it's like, man, you, you're 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 too nitpicky. It's almost you like an oxymoron, I mean? too. You're undervaluing the guy that you're calling them about. You know, it's you're already putting yourself at a disadvantage and almost kind of insulting the other GM you're talking to. Yeah. And, you know, it, I, a lot of the GMs didn't want to deal with him, you know, and I can see that. But let's say. Uh, Let's go. You sit there and said that you're sure you're going to be tired of talking about Otani till he signs. Let's start with Bloom signing and something I'm still sick and tired of. He signs with the Boston Red Sox, and the first thing he's told to do, get rid of Mookie Betts. So, man, that is not a way to make a grand entrance in the city of Boston. You know, because even when Mookie was in uh, for the series, and, of course, reporters are still asking him, he flat out said, don't ask me, ask John Henry, you know. So I personally never thought there was an offer on the table that, you know, was anywhere feasible. They lowballed Mookie because they didn't Mm -hmm. want him here because for some reason they didn't want to pay the man. You know, so we traded him and we've got Connor Wong, Alex Verdugo and the uh, Jeter Downs. Two of them are still here with the Boston Red Sox. Jeter Downs, uh, we DFA'd and now he's killing it down in uh, D.C. No pun intended. (laughs) So. What were your thoughts on the first, you know, the first mission of High and Bloom? Hey, we're going to give you the, the GM spot, but you got to get rid of Mookie Betts and you're going to take the, take the shit for it. Yeah, I mean, that was tough. It was, I mean, that's one of the hardest things to do coming in, you know, especially in the market of Boston. They're a big team. I mean, a, you know, a big market team. Fan base is very passionate and you're going to trade their franchise guy, you know, a fan favorite. One of the best players we've had in a very, very long time. A guy that wasn't even really a big prospect, you know what I mean? He kind of just popped up out of nowhere, came into the majors and, you know, really found himself. 
but yeah, I mean, that's got to be tough. And I, I was thinking about it. Yeah, they could have got a lot more for him, but a lot of people forget that we were able to dump David Price's contract as well. And I think that really, you know, shifted the balance scale on that one. But uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine signing that coming into this, this you know that city you know making that decision like i said i think dave dombrowski was was told to trade him um obviously didn't want to do that because i mean look at the backlash now we're still talking about it three years later if not you know i mean three and a half years later tough thing to do i, I mean i kind of feel for the guy but like i said he didn't make you know some decisions i didn't agree with but you're coming into a i mean i feel like he had to know that too though when he was interviewing like you know he wasn't traded I'm probably going to be the guy that does that. So you kind of, it comes with the territory. You signed up for it, but it doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. And then uh, he was the GM during COVID. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he was brought in to revamp our farm system. COVID took uh, a whole year away. No minor league baseball. So that undervalues all your minor leaguers. You know, you you can't sit there and uh, evaluate, trade talent, uh, get your talent moved up. It's crazy. Not only that, uh, didn't when COVID happened, then they started lowering the uh, the rounds of draft also. So, you know, it hurt the MLB draft process overall. So uh what are your thoughts on, you know, his hands being tied, not only uh, for the bets thing, but now all of a sudden COVID happens and now you're telling the guy to work on and improve your farm system and a whole year's gone now. Yeah, that's had to be tough. I forget. Um, I mean, they took a lot of drafts out of the or rounds out of the draft, which yeah. um, we all know how much Heim, you know, values, you know, the minor league players, the young players. So you're already at a disadvantage there. You're already at the disadvantage that you have to trade Mookie, um, thrown in David Price's contract. Yeah, man, it's just tough situation to be in. I think he made the best out of it. I mean, I know I've been hard on Verdugo. Um, still not really sold on him. You know, I think he kind of fooled me there for the first couple of months of the season. Hate to say that because I know that's your boy. But uh, what are you really ever going to get that much, you know, what you deserve for Mookie bets? No, especially with COVID, like you just said, throwing all those, those elements into the equation. I just, I just feel for the guy, man. It just sucks. Um, sucks for the fans. It sucks for him. And we all know how, how brutal Red Sox nation is, you know, one small move and you got the same, you know, big group of guys on Twitter, just bashing you to no end. You can, you can't do any, you know, do any right as far, you know, he was already written off by probably 25% of the fan base after that trade was made, whether mm -hmm. he didn't even have really have a, a choice in it. He had to just do what he had to do. They had to get it done. You know what I mean? Cause that would have lingered. Um, Cause you could have kept them, gave him a qualifying offer. You know, I don't know. I just, I think he made the right decision. Well, I would have liked to get a little bit more, but as I think about it, the David price getting dropped off, you know, that was huge. And, and his, his goal, his goal was to reset the payroll. And um, that was the first step to do it and knocked off a lot of money. Yeah, man, this COVID screwed him. Ownership screwed him. You know, I think he just did the best he could as far as that. It's just, I don't know, man, it's a tough situation. Yeah. And then let's fast forward to this past off season. And I know I messed with you a lot on this one where Xander Bogarts was left oh, go. Jesus. Yeah, you know, I mean, where are you now when I need you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. And I remember that when you told me that he signed with the Dodgers, and then a week later he signs with the damn. You know, it's a joke, and then he signs with the Padres. Uh -huh. But I mean, you think about you think about the Red Sox as a whole in the last, you know, ten years. Excuse me, John Lester. Same thing. They gave him a, a pretty shitty you know, offer. The, the the year going into uh the year that he got traded the offseason going into that really terrible terrible offer for a guy that you know pitched his heart out hell he came back from cancer and you know he pitched his balls off for this you know this franchise um bogarts you know we almost did it with devers i don't, I don't think if i don't know if a deal gets done and this might be a crazy take but i don't know if a deal gets done as quickly as it did if they didn't get booed like they did remember that i forget what what event they're at um ownership got Ooh. booed well, winner, uh, winner, uh, 
Wasn't Weekend? Jared, uh, when uh, Jerry Krabbis was interviewing him. Well, it was that, but there is another thing. Were they at like a Celtics game or something? Oh, and yeah. They, uh, they're, at, they're at the Celtics game, too, and, and they were getting and they got out of the... food like a motherfucker. And then, you know, two, three days later, they fly down to Dominican and they, uh, they make a deal. I think that they, as much as they don't say fans play into it, I think they do. I mean, granted, I'm really happy that that happened because we needed to keep Devers. If they would have, you know, fucked up the Devers thing, I think, uh, I think I'd be really uh, contemplating if I wanted to be a baseball fan. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you lose bogey, bogey. I mean, granted, he didn't have the best year this year, but I think he was dealing with a wrist injury. But you can't lose a guy like that and then you know drop the ball on Devers. You need to have a guy that's going to be there, that's been there. Um, the last guy that's, you know, I think you said it last show, you know, he's the last player that was on the 2018 team. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ownership well, if, really, if Chris me. sale, if Chris sale gets traded or when oh, yeah, 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 Chris sale. that Devers right. would be the last one. Yeah. Uh, do you sit there like the last year with bogey? Every time media kept asking him and asking him about contract, about a contract, that's got to be, that's got to annoy you and, and work against you playing well for you. You know what I mean? You can only hear that so many times. And that had to really, you know, she's even saying the same thing. Like she sat back there saying they, they could have worked bo a contract to get Bogey and Devers both. See? I, I definitely think so. Um, yeah, it's just – I think they low-balled him. I think, uh, I think they uh, – I don't think they really had any intention of signing him after the season started once that deadline hit. Um, I know there was reports out there from John Heyman or something like that that um, there was momentum, and then that was the same day that he signed with the Padres. I remember coming mm -hmm. to work and just being like, what the fuck, man? Like, I just uh, – the ball was dropped all the way around. Um I also think it affected him mentally. I, I I think he was one of those guys that, you know, wasn't the best in the clubhouse. And I hate to say that, but I think you're right. I think all the questions, you know, got to him. I think, I mean, he's human too. You know, he, he grows up with this franchise. He's done a lot. He's won two World Series with them and played a big role, you know, in, in all those years. And then you sit back and you think like, man, am I really not good enough to get the money that I deserve, you know? And I, I think that definitely played into, you know, his personality in the season, you know, in the clubhouse. I think, I mean, his play wasn't too bad, but, you know, it wasn't where it needed to be. Um, but I don't think the Red Sox had any intention of signing him after they made it through the uh, the deadline at spring training. And personally, I, I still stand by the fact that I think if that was the case, as hard as it, it would have been, I think they should have moved him at the deadline last year. I think they should have moved J.D. Martinez. Um the, the wishy-washy or you know, both sides of the fence thing doesn't really work. Uh, they were what three and a half games out going into the uh, wild card yep. last, not not this year, last year. Last year. Um, and like I said, it goes back to what I said with Heim. I don't think he's a good. I don't think he's there yet as far as making trades. He's. I mean, we were spoiled. We had a guy like Deal and Dave, Dave Dombrowski, who can make a deal on a you know on a dime. Um, and I don't. I don't want to speak for him, but I just don't know if he had has the guts at this point in time to make those deals, you know, make those big splashes. You're either going to go for it or you got to be smart for the future. Um, yeah, you built the farm system up, but I think he, like I said, he just dropped the ball when it came to trade deadline. Other than that Schwarber trade in 2021, he didn't really do much at the deadlines. I know there really wasn't, there wasn't one in uh, 2020 because of COVID, but, you know, you got to do something. You got to pick one side of the fence. I think he would have had a little bit more respect from Red Sox Nation if he would have been more concrete on his stance and not so. The transparency just needed to be there. I know you got to hot, you know, hold the the trades close to you. You don't want them to leak, you know, that because it also affects player uh, relationships with you, you know, with the front office. But you you got to pick a side. Yeah, I always thought Heim would be is as he's better suited i think as an assistant gm where he could help build a farm system but with D uh dombrowski he had he had a blank checkbook you got to sit there and, and admit that you know and that blank checkbook oh, yeah. i think got him in trouble when he went and extended chris sale you know he went and extended uh price avaldi gave those big contracts you know to them 
And then when it came to our key places, Mookie Betts, uh, Xander Bogarts, there was no money left. And, and that's when uh, ownership was like, no. Like, do you think – now everybody's like, oh, pitching. You need pitching. Do you think if Dombrowski doesn't blow the checkbook on sale of Valdi price, do you think we could have kept our, our small core together with bets, bogey, and Devers? 100%. But, I mean, you're kind of playing with – like. I told totally you what you're saying, but you're almost playing with fire at that because without yeah. those three guys, we don't win 2018. You know what I mean? I think uh, Eovaldi was the heart and soul of that team. A lot of people don't really talk about. I mean, think about that one game that they, the one game they lost in the World Series. He came in and pitched in relief and gave up that walk off. You know, as as you know, as much as it sucked to lose that game, but I think him just pitching and doing that, you know just showed his heart, you know, and showed that he really gave a shit about the team, gave a shit about the city and wanted to win. But I think uh, in a financial, you know, financial way, I think, um, I think we have bogey, you know, I think we have a lot more flexibility. And honestly, how do you, how do you not, unless you know for sure that, you know, Chris Sale had stuff going on. Cause I'll say it to the end. I think that he really sold his arm for that 2018 mm -hmm. world series, which I respect the hell of. I love Chris Sale, his accountability. He'll be the first one to tell you that he hasn't lived up to that. But um, I think uh, we absolutely keep bogey. We have a lot more flexibility to do other things. I think we could have kept Schwarber, re-signed him after the 2021 season. Um, I think he was a huge part of, you know, a huge part of that second half. He was, and he jailed well. I mean, he came in and for the half season he was there, I think he was a clubhouse leader. I think uh, he did a lot more than just on the field. Um, but yeah, for sure, I think Bogey's still here if they, he doesn't make those deals. David Price won. You know, you kind of had to do that. We really needed a frontline starter. I mean, obviously, we had, you know, do we have, we didn't have sale yet, did we, when we signed Price? I don't think so, no. I think we got sale in 2017, right? Something like that. And we signed Price in 2016, I believe. Yeah. I'm getting old, well, man. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying more along the lines of, those ridiculous contracts after we won 2018. Like he went oh, yeah. extended he extended Valdi out for what was it four more years? Four years. I think it was like twenty something, twenty million something, twenty something you know, million a year. So but he went and he did some good things for us. He did a lot of bad things. I loved how was it last year when they did the wishy washy thing? He traded Bazzy and got it and look what he look what he got us. Overall, he got us uh, Willier Abreu, he got us Valdez, and those guys, Abreu's already, you know, he's going to be vying for a starting position next year. Yeah, I feel Val like Abreu is almost like an afterthought of that trade. You know what I mean? I think uh, Valdez had a lot of momentum coming in. A uh -huh. lot of, uh, people were excited about him because of what he did in, did in the, uh, did in the uh, minor leagues. Um, be on the board, and then Abreu comes up. Comes up, and uh, I think he's done amazing, man. I think he's definitely going to be a part of the team, be a, a key role in the next few years. Um, and it's crazy because I'll be honest with you, I didn't really think about him too much until he, you know, I st we started paying attention to the minor uh -huh. leagues once we started this, and then going down to the uh, to, or going up to Scrambles Bear. He, um, He's a great hitter. I, I, I'm excited to see what he does. But it's just funny because he was an afterthought to me as far as that trade. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't yeah. really know too much about him. You know, I, I read up on Valdez quite a bit and was excited for his pop. You know, I still I still think he could be a part of the team. It just depends where he fits. You know, what we decide to do with uh, the middle infield. Obviously, we have Trevor Story. We got Marcelo Meyer probably coming up at the end of the year next year. So uh, there's a lot of question marks. But I think, um, I think Abreu is the biggest part of that trade now. Uh, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> I think another thing real quick here, once we signed Trevor story, that to me, I was like, we're not signing Bogarts. We're not, we, we, we went and got a lesser shortstop for, you know, uh, for the amount of money we gave him. We're, we're not signing bogey again. You know, okay. that was, that was my, uh, my overtake. So, but Let's uh, let's switch up. Uh, the season's almost over, and well, we've got plenty of candidates 
to the next GM spot. Uh, this here was from the Boston Herald, written by, I apologize, I messed up your last name, Max Cirillo. I'm guessing that's how you say it. And uh, he writes, Heim Bloom era in Boston is officially over, and in the coming weeks, the Red Sox will undertake what club CEO Sam Kennedy promised to be a broad search for a new baseball boss. Who will be the next person to run the, the Red Sox baseball operation? What title will they hold? Will the Red Sox hire one person or two? Kennedy said all options are on the table. Uh, other than former Red Sox general manager Theo Epstein, who is presumably more interested in tackling new challenges than revisiting old ones at this stage in his career. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Red Sox possibly getting two general managers for the job? I don't really think about that. I mean, off the top of my head, I would, I'd rather just one, you know, one guy that's in charge. I think uh, you already have enough people in there, um, you know, voicing their opinions. I'm not saying there would be, but there could be a power struggle there and making decisions, you know, could also hinder, you know, making a decision in, in a quick amount of time, you know, say if there's a, a guy that's in free agency that, you know, wants to get signed right away. What if they don't both agree? And what if, you know, they kind of get lost in the sauce a little bit and, you know, next thing you know, they waste a little too much time. I, I'm just a fan of just having one guy, you know, too many, I don't like to have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You know, I used to hear that all the time. Um, I'm more of a fan of just having one guy in charge. Yeah. So let's go to the, what a lot of people are saying is one of the better front runners, Sam Fold. The Phillies GM. Uh, Full used to be a player who quickly rose to the front office ranks following his retirement from 2017 in baseball. In only three years, he was hired as a vice president and GM of the Philadelphia Phillies. Now he is underneath our good friend, Dave Dombrowski. Who uh, hates and the helped, Yes, and he helped uh, build the Phillies uh, to win a National League pennant, and came within two wins of a World Series championship. So uh, he's also a New Hampshire native, grew up a Red Sox fan. So uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, Fold? Uh, he, he already has some ties, and he's already helped build the Phillies uh, to a powerhouse they are now. No, I think he's a good candidate. Um like I just alluded to, which actually ironically was in the article. I swear I didn't steal that, but um, I don't know how much uh, Dombrowski will kind of dissuade him from coming here. But growing up a Red Sox fan is definitely a huge uh, step in a direction of trying to convince somebody. I think he's from New England as well, if I read that correctly. I could be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, he's done some good stuff with Dombrowski down in, in Philly. They obviously have a great team. Um, they're doing really good things in the last few years and they're only have a, and they just have even more of a brighter future going forward. Um, and I, I don't want to take, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I'm also a fan of having younger guys in the front office. We had uh, Theo Epstein who was really young when he took over um, kind of a new way of thinking. I think when you're and it would, you know, with anything, I think when you're a little bit older, you know, you, you do things a certain way for so long, you're kind of stuck in your own ways, uh, your old ways, but uh I wouldn't be too upset if he came over. I think you're mute, buddy. You're mute. I think Dombrowski <laughs> might sit there and sway him and give him a little uh, upside of what exactly he'd be getting himself into, which I think that could hinder the the conversation dramatically. Yeah. So, former Astros GM, James Click. Uh, he's coming off of one of the strangest runs as, uh, as top baseball executive in recent memory. After taking over for the former GM, Jeff uh, Lundhau, following the Astros' steel signing scandal, uh, led the Astros ensuing uh, to three straight AL championship series, two pennants, and a last season's World Series. So... Alex Cora, really familiar with this guy uh, from his days over in the Astros. <clears throat> uh, what are your thoughts that he could sit there and uh, come? Because uh, Click has also joined the Blue Jays as vice president of baseball strategy. So uh, what are your thoughts? 
you know, Cora has the relationship with him already. So it's kind of like he already could have his, his uh, manager right there with him. Yeah, I mean, uh, all, all feelings aside as far as, you know, as the Astros, because obviously the whole cheating scandal, but he comes from a winning pedigree. You know, they put good baseball teams together, regardless if they cheated or not, but they have, you know, very good, uh, very good teams, obviously for the better part of the decade, I would say. Um, so he does have that going for him. And yeah, we were talking off air. I think uh, a guy that comes over that takes over baseball operations is going to want to have, you know, a say in his own coaching staff. You know, typically when a GM goes or a chief baseball officer goes, you know, so does the coaching staff. But I think, um, I think Cora definitely it has a very, very good chance of staying. And we'll also talk about, you know, possibly him going up. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, the relationship's there. I think Cora is a good manager, you know, in the right spots. You know, you give him the right people. Obviously, he's made some terrible decisions as far as bullpen usage and all that, but we kind of touched on that last interview or last uh, last show. But I don't think it would be a bad idea. You know, he has, like I said, he comes from a winning pedigree. He knows what it takes to build a team. He's helped build teams, you know, that, that have done really, really good and um, definitely a good candidate in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Looking at the Astros organization, like, overall, they have a great farm system. They've got great people running it. The organization likes to keep their people together. So I think now is definitely a time we need a GM that sees what core people we have and wants to keep them together for a long uh, time while we're, you know, improving our farm system. So, ah. I, I like him, you know, and it, he's used to going into sticky situations, you know, took right over for the, uh, for the GM after the cheating scandal. So another one that's come up, Mike Hazen, the Diamondbacks GM, which is a little uh, iffy. I don't think he would be, he would leave where he's at right now because the Diamondbacks are in limbo just like we are where they're on the rise. So I think yeah. he personally would want to see it, uh, see it through, but you know, he, he's uh, Mike Hazen's left the Red Sox front office to become Arizona Diamondbacks GM in 2016. Uh, he has proved himself as an excellent steward of the franchise. He's on pace to lead the Diamondbacks to their fourth wing season in seven years. Something we haven't seen, you know, in quite some time. During that stretch, he's also executed executed a successful rebuild, a similar terrific core that could have Arizona contention for years to come. So I don't personally think Hazen would want to come back uh, to help us where we are when he's doing fantastic out there rebuilding uh, Arizona. So what are your thoughts on that, DC? No, I agree. I think uh... – I think he's got a good thing going. Um, a lot of young stars. I mean, you have a guy like Corbin Carroll. I don't know if you really want to leave that behind. Um, so I think mm-hmm. you're completely right. Yeah, he has ties to the Red Sox. He was here. But um, why leave a good thing, you know, just to, you know, go try to do something else? I think he kind of rides that one out. I think that's just kind of thrown in there. Um, I don't see him coming. Obviously, I'd be happy to have him. But uh, like you said, we're both kind of in limbo, you know, in this – I think they might be in a little better position than us at this moment, but I think that could change very quickly this offseason. Yeah. Uh, Chris uh, Antonetti, Guardians president of baseball operations. Uh, uh, Boston Herald says this will be a real swing for the fences, but the Red Sox can poach Antonetti from Cleveland. It would be a massive steal. Antonetti is one of the most experienced and accomplished executives in the sport, having served in Cleveland's front office for 24 years including the last eight as president of baseball operations. During that team, he time, he's led Cleveland to four division titles and a World Series appearance. The club never finished worse than second in the AL Central with Antonetti running the show. Uh, I, man, that would be a steal, but I hate to sit there and say it. That's not the AL East. You know what I mean? You know, that Central – is one of the worst divisions in baseball overall. And, you know, never finished worse than second. It's because everybody else in first place kind of rotates in and out. 
you know, Kansas City gets their turn. The Twins get their turn. Chicago gets their turn. They never really are all on the same page overall at all. So uh, what were your thoughts if we would be able to steal Antonetti? I mean, this is kind of just speaking without really knowing him too well. Um, I'd rather go a different route. You know what I mean? This is a big – I mean, hopefully we're turning back into a big market team. I don't know how – I mean, obviously – he has done very well in Guardians, so I guess if he's doing well with that payroll, he could probably do a lot of good things here. I just, I know he's not my favorite. I know who is your favorite. It's the guy we're coming up to right now, Brandon Gomes, Dodgers GM. Uh, Dodgers are one of the most major league model franchises, so hiring one of the organization's top decision makers seems like a no-brainer. Gomes is the Dodgers' number two to president of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman. Uh. I'm not really sure, you know, if I personally, I don't think he's a fit for us uh, because if the Red Sox aren't, aren't giving the Dodgers players, who's Gomes going to be going after? You know what I mean? Because in the past, how many years? Dating back to what Carl Crawford's horrible contract, uh, they went and they, they just helped us out every year, you know. Uh, but you do like Brandon Gomes. So, you know, uh, tell us uh, why you would sit there and want to want to bring Gomes in. Yeah, I like him. He's a, a young guy. Um, obviously, I I hope the Red Sox will kind of give him the freedom that the Dodgers do with their GM, you know, with spending the money. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he will spend the money like they do. But um, exciting guy. He seems to know his baseball. He, uh, you know, he's really climbed, climbed the ranks, like that article said, very quickly. I just think it'd be a nice shot in the arm. I think the reason I like younger, younger uh, front office, you know, executives is I feel like they're more relatable to the player players. He knows what it takes to win. He knows what it takes to put a good team together. Um, and with the, the, you know, if he has the freedom from the ownership to do so, I think uh, he could do great things. Yeah. We have another one here. Uh, Carter Hawkins, the Cubs GM. Former college catcher at Vanderbilt. It's been a decade working in Cleveland's front office before joining former Red Sox executive Jed Hoyer's staff in Chicago in 2021. Uh, Hawkins has spent has helped executive execute a fast-paced rebuild with the Cubs stripping of the roster from the 2016 World Series championship uh, before quickly jumping back into postseason contention after two years down. Uh, I kind of like Hawkins myself. It's going to take a lot to get him away from uh, Chicago there. I just think Hawkins, with the, with the right people around him, if, if the owners let, let him do what his job is, he's did it for Chicago, win a championship, strip down, come back. Win a championship, strip down, come back. Like, I can sit there and see him putting together pieces for us. Uh but I don't know overall if that's what the fans of us up here in Boston, um, not us, but we're in Pennsylvania. But the fans in Boston, they don't like that in between time. They want to be in the hunt all the time. So maybe Hawkins might not be the person for the fit, but I think that he's one of the ones that are on the right track. Yeah, I mean – it's good that you know he's able to kind of strip it down and you know rebuild very quickly. So that's that's one good positive. But like you said, you don't want to keep doing that over and over again. When you're in Boston, that's something that you you consistently are just building as you go. You know, you rebuild and you know and stri- you strip down and rebuild in one off season. I think ultimately, like I said about Gomes, it, it depends on how much freedom the uh, the ownership gives. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of these people that we talk to are coming from small market teams. You know, a couple of them. You know, so they're kind of used to not having to spend money, but I wonder how they would react and being able to, you know, if they can do that in a small market, what can they do with a, you know, a big market? I know Chicago is pretty decent with spending money, but um, but I don't know. I don't know if he's a good fit, like I said, and especially can you really prime away from Jed Hoyer? You know, they have a good thing going there. Um, Jed Hoyer is a, you know, a great GM. You know, it's really does really great stuff. You know, as far as front office, so I just don't know if he'll he'll come to us. And and. That is that's what was my mindset was. Heim Bloom coming from Tampa to come up here. I thought, man, if he can do that down in Tampa, 
what can he do up here in Boston dealing with, you know, coming off of dealing Dave. I was thinking, man, they, they can just they, they give this guy a blank checkbook up here. We'll be set next to, but little did I know the trust fund was cut off and, you know, it, it seems like some days Hein Bloom was on the street corner, you know, begging for change to try to get some of these players. So yeah. last person who I personally really want up there, you know, Alex Cora. Uh, George and I have talked about it plenty of times. You know, you've heard it. I I want I want AC out. Like he has a great relationship with the players. I love that. But I can't I can't deal with any more of him blowing through our bullpen. Like this year, we had the best bullpen we have had in years. And you now injuries were there. For the starting pitchers, you know, there was times where we didn't go through our pitchers didn't didn't get five innings pitched for weeks yeah. on end. But you gotta you can't sit there and and blow through a bullpen, even not just this year, years prior. You know, you I still say he burned out uh, Ryan Brazier, you know, because look what he's doing out there in LA, you know. Besides getting a nice a nice tan, but I think AC has the mindset where he'd be great up in the front office. But I think it's time for him to go up there, DC. Uh, and the Celtics just did the same similar move there in in Boston with Brad Stevens. They went and uh, moved him to team president in 2021. So it's not it's not it's not different or odd to hear that. But what are your thoughts about AC going upstairs? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to keep him in some capacity. So if he's not going to be the manager, I'd, I mean, I'd totally be all for it. For it. Obviously, he doesn't have the experience, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. Um, you'd have a lot of guys, you know, with good baseball minds around him to help him out, you know, in those times where you need some advice. So, I mean, I'd be all for it. Um, I think he's a smart guy. And he said, too, he's, he doesn't want to He doesn't want to manage. He doesn't want to be – the Tony, like a Tony LaRusso type of guy or Dusty Baker. He wants to do his managing and then get out, you know, at a decent amount of time, you know? So I, I think it's a good fit. You know, I would be, I'd be all for it, to be honest with you. Um, it's just a matter if uh, John Henry and the rest of them would, uh, would put that trust in him. I think he does have a good relationship with the ownership, you know, to an extent. Um, he's obviously played there, managed there. So it'd be kind of fitting to him to be in the front office. Yeah. Uh, I think they, I think he has, they have a real good relationship because why else would the ownership have that hold his job for him pretty much, you know, after yeah. the whole suspension, no other team would really do that. You know what I mean? So I, I sit there and really think, I think AC with his relationships that he has and makes with the players, that's where he can sit there and help with the deals uh, up in the front office, bringing players in because he knows the game. He's played the game. So I think overall AC would be probably, in my opinion, the best uh, fit overall for the Boston Red Sox. But it all stems down to one thing. And our uh, one of our fans – Eric Katz uh, tagged us in this Twitter post. Uh, John Henry is the real Red Sox problem. Uh, it was written by uh, Eric Katz. So if you guys get a chance, check out the article. But he goes into really, you know, deep thing. While Bloom is ultimately responsible for boss's failures, owners John Henry and Fenway Sports Group have created a lot of issues in the organization. One big issue that the Sox ownership has is that it can't stick to an organizational approach. In recent years, nobody who runs the Red Sox baseball operations lasts longer than five years. The Red Sox real problem is John Henry and Fenway Sports Group. It goes on overall. Uh, it, it, it's a great article. Go out and check it out and read it. 
uh, I love when Eric tags us in some of these articles because he gets really deep uh, into these. Uh, DC, if you get a chance to check it out and read it, uh, we have it bookmarked on our Twitter pod, uh, the Pesky Podcast. So, but ah, it, it's been a crazy week overall. Yeah, uh, to say the least. Yeah, us going from you know playing GM to looking for a GM in real life. Now we've got you know several options. Uh, we just need somebody to be able to bring us back to the championship. I think overall with our our hitting is great. Uh, a couple key pieces. Our farm system is superb now. Uh, the bullpen is good. I like it. I I'm still a big fan of bringing Josh Hader in. Uh, it's our starting pitching that we really need to focus on to get us to that next level. So, uh, DC, what are your final thoughts overall on this crazy week? And, you know, what's been going on in baseball altogether? Yeah, I mean, big changes, obviously. Um, one thing that it does signal, I think uh, I saw it on Jerry Kravis' podcast, is it means that the ownership is is ready to start making some moves. So I guess that's the silver lining. I wish they would have let them, you know, at least finish out the season, you know, save face a little bit there. I think uh, I'm not really a big fan of, you know, using somebody as a scapegoat, especially after they did with, you know, you asked them to do. Um, obviously, the, the major league product hasn't been there. You know, that's a big thing, you know, as far as, you know, being head of baseball operations. But I just, I don't know. I'm hoping that they uh, they start taking it seriously. They start opening up their checkbooks a little bit, start also making some trades, you know, using some of that farm system. Don't butcher it all, but, you know, move a couple pieces down there and get some, uh, some really, you know, really good major league talent. Um, and as far as baseball, I mean, I'm just excited for the you know, postseason. Obviously, the Red Sox aren't going to be there, which sucks. But uh, I'm I'm really excited for this O's team. To be honest with you, I told our you know our friend Josh that uh, as far as I'm concerned, the rest of the season going into the postseason, I'm rooting for them to represent the AL East. I think uh, I think they're a little they're a really exciting team. I just don't know if their starting pitch is going to hold up throughout the postseason because that's when you really need your pitching to really shine. But their offense is is pretty lethal. Um, when you got the teams like you know a team like the Braves, I think the Braves can do a lot of damage. They have the pitching. They have obviously had the offense. Their offense is insane. I've seen them be down you know a handful of runs, look back later and they're up by three. You know what I mean after being down six. So and I'm excited for the postseason. Um, I'm just excited for the the off season. It sucks that I'm saying I'm excited for the off season because obviously that means we're not in the playoffs. But uh, I'm really interested to see how John Henry and, you know, Fen Fenway Sports Group handles this. I, I hope that they don't go too crazy with this search. I know you got to be thorough, but I don't want it to drag too long into the offseason because if it goes past the World Series and the free agency, how much does that affect signing guys? You know, are we going to miss out on some people? Are we going to miss out on some trades that we could have got on? So I don't know. I'm trying to be positive. I think uh, now is the time where you kind of show what we have as far as the ownership group and, you know, how serious you are for this team. Cause I know a lot of people have questioned their, uh, their commitment to the team after they've gone in other endeavors as far as business. So we shall see. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy. Uh, it's going to be, a, I love how you make the point of we got to get the right guy soon because we don't want to miss out on anything in free agency. So, because there's, there's people we need. You know, trades need to get done. So Yamamoto needs to be signed. So yeah. it's 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 a lot here. Uh, any any final thoughts at all that you want to throw out there before we go? I think I covered it. To be honest with you, everything I got. Okay, well, guys, make sure you head on over to YouTube, sub, follow us, uh, check out our live show. That Alex uh, Hoppy interview we had exploded over there on YouTube. I was like, wow, that's crazy for the amount of views over there. Uh, also, make sure you, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple Podcasts, you know, check us out. We had some great interviews. Uh, DC and I, we had uh, Keith Folk on here, Devin Marrero, uh, Theo Denlinger. 
our boy Hunter Dobbins, which DC's got to come back on after the season's over. Uh, there's going to be a lot once the season ends. There's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be coming on and talking to us. Uh, hey, check out. Go to our website. Check out our new shirts we've got. Uh, we've got the Throw Some Dirt On It, Turner Tough. We've got uh, Mikasa as Sukasa, Halkamania. Uh, we just went and released the Brian Bayo one, Strikeouts for All. Uh, get your shirt, you know. But we want to thank you guys for tuning in. And we're going to check you out for DC and myself. See you next time on the Pesky Podcast.